This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast covering Ipswich Town since 2015. I'm Richard Woodward and you're tuned into the flagship show, Bolton Away Edition, available. Well, the Bolton Away Edition isn't available each week, but the flagship show available every Monday morning on audio and video. Joining me now for an irreverent but hopefully informative hour or so of Ipswich Town chat, two men who made the trip to Bolton, admittedly with slightly different journey durations um, from Essex, from south of the wall, Craig Fimbo, and from the Welsh borders, Seb Brown. Gentlemen, how are you? How was your trip? We'll start with Craig. Longer journey for you. How was it for you? It was all right, actually. Yeah, we absolutely flew up. Um, Legally, 70 miles an hour, no more. My trip computer advised me that my average speed was 70.4 miles per hour for the entire journey up there including the rural roads of Essex. <laughs> okay, and, uh, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. We won't so, drill into yeah. that because, yeah, okay, no, fine. No, no, it was, no, I, no, we just pooled yeah. up there, really, just cruise controlled. And, and the roads were empty, pretty much. Foggy, but yep. empty. Yeah, and good. the good thing about cruise control is you don't need to steer. No, that's a, that's, that's not true. Please don't do that. <laughs> I just people. use, I normally just use my knees while I'm, like, reading my yeah, book. Yeah, like Mr. Bean. Yeah, exactly right. Put a brick on the, yeah, on the accelerator. And, and Seb, a little bit of a, we mentioned this on Friday, a bit closer for you. Um, how was your journey? Was it yeah, more annoying I, than Craig's? It was, it was lovely. It was very nice. I left about an hour uh, or so before I was due to meet some people in the pub. And yeah, sailed there. Absolutely lovely. I'm spoiled. We've got, there's quite a few games in sort of this area of the, uh, uh, of the country coming up over the next six weeks or so. So very spoiled. And um, you both met up pre-match as well. Any uh, good venues in Bolton around that retail park or not so much? Yeah, I, I, we got there really early, actually. We um, parked, yeah, the Beehive, I think, wasn't it? We were in. Um, we had food. We were watching the Man City-Chelsea match. It was, it was all very convivial. Excellent. Until, until three o'clock, really. Well, very good. And, and then and then it all went downhill, as per usual, um, same old Ipswich. Um, so that's good. Well, we'll talk about Bolton in more detail shortly. We're staying at this early juncture um, 
and we did a kind of cryptic, well, not so cryptic um, tweet about this on Friday, I think. Uh, Craig's been speaking to someone and someone of in much importance when it comes to the history of Town. And Craig, you're going to tell us all about it at the end of the podcast. So ah, stick around. Teaser trailers. Almost like I'm cynically making people stick around to listen to the whole thing. No, we're not going to leave breadcrumbs throughout. Um, and I guess you could skip to the end, but stick around. Um, we're going to talk about <laughs> yeah. all sorts, including um, nine goals for ITFC women. So let's let's start with that. Yeah, it was a lovely um, trip for me to Felix, though. Um, today or on Sunday um, and if you stand women on a bit for their very high standards a run with two matches without a win which is kind of panic stations when it comes to ITFC women um, and fortunately form turned around much as we expect to be discussed this in the pre-match show against basement side Hounslow who are cut adrift with no wins um, no draws and a negative 45 goal difference well that's now negative 54 um because itfc women clicked into gear they didn't really need to be um in top gear um but they were patient uh three to a half time uh returned to the side um for uh as sponsored by blue monday is kind of her official prefix abby lafayette um scored straight from a corner guys um we know that her said set piece deliveries are excellent and it proved today um she got two goals and three assists Tasha Thomas got four goals. She's on a great um, scoring run at the moment. Um, probably the pick of the goals was Paige Peak's free kick um, to make it 7-0. Um, so a really good day for them. Um, I think the post-match interviews with both Laffy and Joe Sheehan, who are both friends of the podcast, actually seemed kind of quite disappointed with the performance. And Hounslow, to be fair, they were quite energetic closing them down but that was never ever going to last and six goals in the the second half kind of proved that um but shows the level of where the benchmark is so um a good return to form for them um keen shim up next away and then there's a wednesday night um home match if anyone is thinking of getting out to felixstowe and find sunday's tricky um for some reason, you might have midweeks more convenient. I don't know. Um, but there's a Wednesday night game coming up against Gillingham as well. So um, maybe worth a trip under the floodlights. Um, so well done to them. Also, a cameo for Lucy O'Brien. Um, now, as sponsored by the Friends of Blue Monday, um, a group of some of our subscribers. And uh, she um, got an assist as well. So um, a good day all round. Let's um, catch up on transfer business. We've talked many times, I think, now about in, um, Toto Enciada's move to Fleetwood, now done. Uh, Christian Walton's recall means effectively um, when this comes out, Christian Walton's off back to Brighton, but we're hearing positive things from Kira McKenna. Um, and now Luton are linked with him. And according to the Twitter rumours, neither us or um, Luton can necessarily afford Christian Walton. So something's going to have to budge there. Otherwise, he'll, re- he'll remain with Brighton, I guess, as a third choice. Um, but chaps, um, I will. I'll, yeah, Macaulay Bond's loan, Seb, um, has been confirmed to be continuing for the rest of the season. Um, that's good news. 
Absolutely, yeah. We saw it confirmed, didn't we? On was it Friday night? I think they did the interview, didn't they, in his hotel room with the the hotel great. wallpaper behind him. So, yeah, great news for everyone. You know, I guess we thought, is it going to go on and on? And I guess, given where we are, I, I know we'd love to sign him permanently, but given where the situation we're in, the situation he's in with QPR, the situation QPR are in, it seems like an all round decent compromise, doesn't it? You know, if we stay down, is he going to want to come here? I, I know he's a massive, obviously, town fan, but are we going to have the resources to sign him? So let's let's hopefully he'll regain some form and knock in another half a dozen goals to the end of the season and we can make a, a definitive decision in the summer when all parties sort of know where they are. Yeah. And and Craig, other news, um, and, and this involves um, our exes, it's like we're we're obsessed. We're kind of the, ex- <laughs> the obsessed ex keeping an eye on what their other half or their former boyfriend or girlfriend was up to. Um, Emir Hughes finally signed for a club on Saturday. He joined Colchester United. Shock, horror or Colswich United, as they're now called. And another ex, Marcus Evans, you talked about this again on the midweek show. Now, a a little bit more meat on the bones on this story. Um, Rumoured to be taking a 65% stake in Championship Club Huddersfield. Um, He has a minority stake still in Ipswich Town, and this is permitted, apparently. Um, Craig, do you have any strong feelings about Emir Hughes or Marcus Evans that you want to share with the group? Um, Well... I, I think no. <laughs> well, no, not particularly. But I, I, I was speaking to a Cole U fan today, actually. Uh, funnily enough, at my boys' um, football, um, and he was bemoaning the fact that they've signed yet another injury-prone Ipswich Town um, player. I didn't. Um, he he works. He's a paramedic, actually. This guy. So I, I didn't mention um, Emir's thoughts on uh, current medical situations that happen to be going on worldwide um but yes yeah, it's a funny old one in it he was on the bench he done he came on yesterday but as a club in general they're in turmoil aren't they call you the fans are after cowling and Robbie. cowling's yeah. coming out to chat with them after the matches and things like that never particularly end well i don't think do they so i think from emir's perspective he's there for one reason one reason only and it's just to prolong his retirement um yeah retirement party i'd have thought but uh, yeah, I yeah. don't think they're holding out much hope of, of getting much from him. And uh, Marcus Evans. So in this situation, is TWTD reported that there's quite a useful thread actually on the message board as well um, that he doesn't have to relinquish his stake in Ipswich, presumably because he doesn't have a huge amount of decision making. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what they suggested, wasn't it? That you know, just because he owns a little bit of it, he hasn't got any any say in anything in any decision making. So yeah, he's fine to do what he likes. So he's, we'll see how far. Huddersfield can plummet from seventh in the in the championship between now and the end of the season. I guess he wouldn't be the sole owner, but yeah, I mean, if he wants to take over a club, he, Robbie Cowling would probably bite his hand off if he made him an offer, wouldn't he? And then the kind of move from <laughs> the Cold Switch United move would be complete, wouldn't it? So, um, well, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out, won't it? And um, I was going to say we wish them well, but maybe we should just stop talking about them. We need to move on. Um, talking of moving on, let's talk about Bolton. And I will just, um, for those who are watching on YouTube, um, just put up on the screen the lineups there. Um, Seb, we talked, let's put Bolton very quickly. We mentioned um, four signings um, in the January transfer window so far. I think all of them, possibly, I think, yep. featured here. James Trafford in goal. Yep. 
Yeah, they all started. started. Tra- Trafford in goal. Uh, Morley came in into midfield. The guy that signed from Rochdale. Dion Charles continued up front. And Marlon Fossey. Um, but they went to a three at the back, I, I think. That's how I read it. With Gethin Jones sort of tucked in as the right-sided centre-half. And that enabled Vossi and, uh, and Declan John to be the to be the wing-backs. And Vossi was absolutely rapid. He came in and he was absolutely rapid, giving um, Penny a bit of a torrid time. So they, a, a slight formation change from the normal 4-2-3-1 to a 3-5-2 uh, to kind of match us up. It was very much Bakayoko up front with Dion Charles. And we bigged up Dapo Afalayan and um, he was not present. Um, I, no real story there. He was on the bench and he will be talked about later on, but that was, I guess, an interesting situation there as well. Um, Craig, Ipswich unchanged. Was that a surprise for you or not? No, I don't think so. Following Gillingham, um, there was no particular reason to change. Obviously, the only change was on the bench. Selena was in for Jackson, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, no, no issues at all with what was going on. Yep. Let's move into the the match action, and I guess you guys both there. I I was listening to listen for most of the game to Brenner and Matthew. Although I kind of packed up once it went to one nil, I have to admit, um, because I kind of felt that it was one of those games, um, and it felt like we were the better of the two teams and. So we talked about the possession style that Ian Everett is seeking to um, implement there. And an inexperienced keeper, I mean, Trafford's got 11 appearances. He's been on line at Accrington and was on the bench um, in our match earlier in the season. Um, but playing out from the back, were you kind of feeling like there was a opportunity to take advantage? Yeah, I mean, the first 15 minutes, we kind of controlled things. We were knocking it about quite nicely, not with any real kind of intent. I think that the first effort on goal was that Aluko effort. I'm not sure if that came in the first 15 minutes or so. But we were knocking it around okay, but they, they were kind of pressing us and we didn't really cause them any real issues. You know, I guess when you've got a new goalkeeper in, I guess what you want to do is be, you know, firing crosses into the box and trying to put him under a little bit of pressure. I guess when you've got the likes of Norwood and, and Bon up front as well, the, the Bash brothers, you're looking for them to really sort of put themselves about. But it, it was very noticeable early on, Norwood kind of, drifted out to the left and it was leaving Bond really, really isolated in the middle. So we didn't really put the the, the new keeper under any kind of uh, pressure at all. But we did Similar. we did control the ball. We, we knocked it around okay. Similar to Wickham a little bit there, yeah. That Luco chance comes on 15, as you say. Um, and then Bolton starts to come back into it. Craig is an effort for Johnson heads over the top from a kind of a short corner routine. There's, um, Evans has a shot from range, but Walton then has to save from Dion Charles. Um, and then, do the from your recollection, do the mistakes start to creep in? There's a lot of last gasp defending, from what I could hear from the back three. Well, what was sort of noticeable, as as you say about nervousness, it looked like you know from I was myself and the guys with plus plus my boy, we sort of thought the first 15 minutes, Bolton looked nervous at the back, as you say. Whereas we looked a bit overconfident at the back in terms of playing out. And we were sort of, it was a little bit times we were sort of, a couple of times we were sort of cutting it a bit fine in terms of getting that final ball out. And they were, as you say, they were pressing us a lot. Um, certainly Penny was getting um, pushed back. It's pretty much as soon as the ball was passed to Penny, Fossey was sprinting at him. You know, there's it, obviously a, you know, a, direct, a directive for them to do that. And they were just, they were pressing us. And Morsey wasn't really getting breaking forward at all. He was sitting alongside um, Evans, Aluko. After that first 15, 20 minutes, he sort of struggled to get on the ball very much. We just didn't get behind them um, at all. Um, we just sort of huffed and puffed. As sort of, as McKenna said himself, you know, we huffed and puffed for the last 
15 or so minutes of, of the first half once we've got that first 20 out of our system, if you know what I mean. And it felt like another one of these half of two halves where town moderately better, but admittedly not a huge amount of efforts on target to talk about and then Bolton grow into it. Um, and I guess that, that kind of continued. I think McKenna talks about changes at halftime. Were you guys n- notice any tactical rearrangement at all? Either of you? I didn't personally know. I thought no. we didn't really change anything in game time. So I thought half time came at a good a good time for us. You know, Walton tips the the save around the post from uh, from Dion Charles. Dion Charles. Um, yeah, that was a great save because Bakioka was running in. And then we sort of yeah we we under a lot of pressure. So I was quite glad when half time came. And I did kind of think, okay, well McKenna will get into them a little bit, and maybe we'll start to see Norwood go more central and make it more like a three. Four, one, two, with the Luca in behind the front two, rather than Norwood coming out wide. But but nothing really changed. They continued to press us all, you know, all game, and and we didn't get in behind them once. We were quite laboured, and the the possession, although very high, was very much, you know, Evans picking it up, looking to ping a ball out. That ball's not on, so he'll go back to one of the centre halves, and we just kind of knocked it around like that. Yeah, it was it was very it was it was um, Paul Cook ball, wasn't it? If we're going to call him a Kennerball, it was Paul Cook ball. It was it was possession for possession's sake, and again. McKenna said that himself, you know, we were, and I think Matthew said it, we listened to Radio Suffolk on the way home, so it was a lot of backwards and, and sideways passing rather than sort of the complete opposite of Gillingham, really, where, but where we were, we were on it, you know, we were sharp, we were, um, there was a snap in the passes, we were moving off the ball once we'd made the pass, there, was, there wasn't really any of that yesterday, it was disappointing. I forgot to mention Walton's booking, did you have hearts in mouth when he claimed the ball and then slid out of his area with it? kind of in his hands, or did you think common sense would prevail? It was probably madly the referee, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I, I thought common sense would prevail because it was quite obvious he held it in the box, then slid out. And you can normally tell with the ref, can't you? You know, if they're if they're calm and collected about it and don't pull the card out straight away, you kind of know what's coming. Obviously, the Bolton fans and the players were were baying for a red, but I think that was just common sense all round. I think it's a bit different, isn't it? If, if a keeper's, as you say, Rich, if a keeper's got it and his momentum takes him out, it's a bit different from coming out the box and you know, making yeah. a two-handed save. Yeah, Volleyballing exactly. it away, yeah. yeah. But the mistakes felt like they were there all day on on both sides. I mean, we're going to talk about about two or three pretty dire mistakes coming up for us. But even Bolton, I mean, Johnston plays the ball straight to a... Um, plays the ball straight to Bonner, I think, plays in Aluko, who shoots wide. I don't know if that was a decent enough chance or not. Um, yeah, he killed it. That was, that was quite close, wasn't it? I think you were a little bit more central than we were, said, but it looked in. It looked like it was going in the same. I thought he hit it from where we were on the other side of the goal. Yeah, same. I was sort of right behind the goal, uh, about four rows from the front, and I thought it was going in. I thought he bent it lovely. He got a bit lucky with the, the deflection of the Bolton player, but I thought he curled that absolutely lovely. And I thought that was going to go into the top corner, but obviously just, just wide. And you're getting the sense that the first goal is going to be the, the critical one. Um, we've got a le- we've got a booking for descent for James Norwood, guys, um, which hasn't happened for a while. Only yeah. Norwood could get fouled. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Craig. I thought that was a fairly obvious foul. And then, I mean, you could see it coming because he wouldn't shut up and he wouldn't yeah. leave it. And I said to I said to the guy I was with, I said, he's going to get booked in a minute because he's not going to let it go. And he just kept going and kept going and kept going and unsurprisingly. But I can see why he was so wound up because to me, it looked like a clear foul. But it was it was frustration wasn't it it was frustration mm. at the way we were playing it was a frustration of him not being able to get on the ball the it just wasn't working and as we all know if james gets a little bit frustrated he's he'll take it out on either a center half by kicking him up in the air or the referee or the linesman by just continually going at him until such time as he gets booked yeah um and he has a, a chance here i guess it's a one of those ones where he, he can't really saw his feet it's just he, the corner from evans is this just 
kind of he's, he's in the right who, place. He's we, in the right yeah. place at the right time, but can't, it's not expecting the ball to come to him or something. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. Exactly. I mean, I thought our set-piece delivery from Evans was pretty poor most of the game, I think, in the first half, certainly. They improved a bit in the second half. I guess we'll come on to the Wolfenden header. Um, but but yeah, just hit him on the shins, didn't it? And just, just dribbled wide, despite Bond trying to get in there. We seem, to, we seem to have, sorry, Rich, we seem to have Evans taken from both sides, don't we? And his in-swinging ones weren't too bad, were they, from the right-hand side where we where we were standing? But his away-swinging ones just seem to be a bit floaty and hit too far and just never materialised into anything much. Floaty nonsense set pieces are back, are they? Yeah. I need to get Abby Lafayette to do a masterclass for them. Um, double change. Um, Vincent Young for Penny. Selena for Nord. Any reflections on the performances there? We've got questions about Penny, so maybe don't focus too much on him. I guess focus more on Vincent Young, um, but Selena for Norwood, any, any thoughts on that, guys? Um, I, I, yeah, we won't talk much about Penny, but Penny wasn't the only one that did so many misplaced passes yesterday, and he wasn't the only guilty one. Dinassian did it a few times. Um, it was just pretty rife throughout the team, but I think it was... It's You can probably read quite a lot into a left back or left wing next performance if he gets subbed during a match you know it's not really a position you automatically think that there's going to be a substitute made or your waste inverted commas waste to substitute on um yeah, like clements Nor- at rotherham isn't it yeah exactly norwood's a strange one really because yeah I'd, as seb said I'd, I'd have been minded to move him in the middle or just change the formation or something you know maybe go a flat back four and and get a bit further up the pitch or something just try maybe try something different presumably the introduction of selena Possibly because he might be able to lob the keeper from outside the penalty area or something, because the goal wasn't going to come from anywhere else. Perhaps am I being critical? I guess he's or... the one player who can produce something out of nothing. That kind of off the cuff moment of absolute magic. He's probably the only player on the bench who could have done that. And what was it about the seventieth minute? He probably came on or so, maybe sixty-fifth minute. I don't know. But at that point, I just I couldn't see a scoring personally. So I guess McKenna's thinking, right? Well, if I if I can put Selena on, maybe get a moment of magic out of him, we can potentially take something from game. Because because like you said earlier, that the first goal was going to be crucial. And here it is, guys. We, if a line comes on for Charles, we might just need to add that in there as well because that's important for later on. Um, but 74 minutes, um, Craig, and it's the debutant, Morley, who's going to get involved here. Yeah, well, they had the ball out on their right um, and worked it quite nicely, actually. Worked it into the middle just outside the box and it fell to Morley, what, 20-odd yards out? And he sort of just shot it towards the middle of the goal, didn't he? Um, but for some reason, I don't know, I didn't look like it was a deflection or anything. I didn't... It, and it didn't curl particularly too much. We were sort of right behind it, to be fair. He just sort of side-footed it, and it had the natural curl on it. But um, for some reason, Walton was... His momentum was taking him to his left, and then therefore he sort of ended up diving to his right. Um, it just didn't seem to ever be sat right, or you know, didn't ever seem to get set correctly to, to make the save. And yeah, um, ended up making a bit of a hash of it and... and Pushing it straight back out into the into the area. Um, none of our defenders we were a bit on the back foot. None of our defenders reacted um, particularly. Um, and Kieran Lee just uh, yeah just tapped it in unfortunately. And yeah, as we've all said, it's it was gonna. T- it's just unfortunate that it took that because it just looked like the game was petering out into a nil nil. Neither team really looked like they were going to create too much. And there's arms up for offside, Tony Mowbray style, but. Um, on the replay, to me, it's pretty clear that Edmondson is keeping Kieran Leon. 
Um, and Leeds got a pretty decent scoring record. I think Brenner was saying something like four in his last appearances or something against Ipswich. So, um, yeah, and that did feel to me, you know, there's this Ipswich-itis of um, conceding game over. Um, but Seb, you've mentioned it before, this effort for Wolfenden. Tell us about it. Yeah, so was it a corner? I think it was a corner that came in. And if he puts it two feet in either direction, you know, it's a goal. He does well to get up above his man, but he just can't get the power onto the header itself. And, you know, the keeper just claims it pretty pretty easily. And, yeah, it's one of those where a foot either side and we're scoring and suddenly, you know, you're back in the game with a few minutes to go and you're going to build yourselves up and look for a winner. But I think when that happened, I kind of figured, well, it's not going to be our day today. And then Bond heads one over, doesn't he, from an Evans cross as well. Um Chapman for Luco, Craig. Any remarks on Luco? Sounds like he had our better chances. Yeah, he did. Look, you know, if you watch the the highlights or the extended highlights, yeah, he he probably does have a better chances. But he was quiet yesterday. He didn't really affect the game at all. They couldn't get the ball to him. You know, how much of this is down to down to Bolton's tactics? I say because you know, by the same token, Burns never got past his man. Well, maybe maybe done it once in the in the first half where he sort of intercepted the ball that that they misplaced. Um, we just never got in, in and amongst them, really. I say it was it was really disappointing. And, you know, Luluco did what he does. He was neat and tidy, but we just never really got him on the ball in any space either. He never seemed to find himself in any in any sort of space. We just didn't. I think Matthew said again that, you know, we played, as Seb said, Norwood was, was left like he was at, at Wickham. Um, but there was such a distance between him and Bon, and you'd hope that that would have created a space for Luluco to sort of move into. But it just never really transpired. I don't know whether... Ever just got his tactics spot on, possibly. Mm. I I'm thought it was strange. Sorry, just to go back to that substitution, I did think it was a bit strange that Piggott wasn't wasn't used. I guess you know, a few minutes to go, he's he's a fairly big guy. I mean, Ricardo Santos was an absolute giant, and Bond was getting nothing against him all game. So I know it's a bit old school, but I kind of figure with a couple of minutes to go, we'd have seen Piggott thrown on to get it in the mixer, so to speak, and you know, try and win a win a duel physically or bring others into play. I, I did think that was a strange one. If you're losing a game away from home with a couple of minutes left, and you know, Piggott's not fancied. I'm not entirely sure where that leaves him, to be honest. And that the misery is going to be compounded, Seb. And it's more individual errors, isn't it? It's two, yeah. You know, Danassian has it in the, the right centre-back slot, comes forward, inexplicably passes it straight to... Is it, is it Kieran Lee? I think he passes it straight to. He sort of lifts the ball over, looking for Affelion, who's now on the pitch. Edmondson has it in control. You know, he gets ahead of him quite well. And then he just inexplicably with his left foot. I guess he's trying to roll it back to Walton, but he gets no power in it whatsoever. And Affelion says, thank you very much, and fires it into the bottom corner. And the Bolton fans go crazy, and we kind of can't believe it. I mean, Edmondson's been brilliant for us, let's be fair, isn't he? Since, you know, since he joined, he's been really, really good. He's been a, an eight or a nine out of 10 most, most weeks. But yesterday, he wasn't on it. You know, he had one in the first half. He made like a looping header attempt to get back to Walton um, that he got really wrong. And, and Wolfen had to bail him out. And that, that back pass just kind of summed it up. You know, it was two, two unforced errors on our part with Dynastian and, and Edmondson and it was just a, a, a poor all-round performance from the back three to be honest and a, and a pretty decent finish actually from Affeline but under yeah, the keeper rifled it, yeah. um, and that's that's your lot really I've not got any other action kind of noted down there we've got plenty of questions which we'll come on to in a second I mean, just to reflect on some of McKenna's post-match thoughts we will be I mean, certainly when I'm hosting the pod, I will be referring to McKenna's post-match quotes, guys, because I don't know about you, but what he says is actually interesting and mm. tells us something rather than just being generic cliches. Um, we didn't... Oh, I haven't got the accent down just yet. We definitely didn't hit, hit the heights of last week. I didn't think it was a bad performance. I thought there were elements of the game that we were pleased with. I thought we started well, first 2025, that we controlled the game. Probably the worst part of the game was the end of the first half. 
Um, these are we made a couple of um, changes from a tactical point of view, as I said, um, and you guys didn't really notice that. And I thought in the second half we controlled the whole game. Really, we didn't create enough in the final third. We've got up to the edge of their box a lot. We played almost the whole game in their half, but we didn't create enough chances. We didn't penetrate enough for sure. And the stats kind of guys, just to put those up here, um, and I'll talk through them for the guys listening on the podcast audio. 64% possession, 14 shots um, for Ipswich. This is um, eight blocked shots, 12 corners. Um, and then two big chances for Bolton, one chance for us. Um, but I guess, what's your reflection on McKenna's post-match there, Craig? I mean, is that... It's pretty fair, um, but is he maybe sugarcoating a little bit the performance? Um, well, yeah, but that's we're well within his, his right job, to do so, it? I yeah. suppose. Yeah, exactly that. Um, but no, I think I think he's spot on in terms of in terms of how he saw the match and how he saw it sort of, saw it panning out in the first half. And yes, we did spend a lot of time in their half, second half, but yeah, huffed and puffed, and we say we just never really ever either either got behind them with on either wing or created anything through Aluko in the middle, or Morsey getting forward, um, you know, carrying the ball. He, I don't even remember him carrying the ball forward, to be perfectly honest. Um, but again, how much of that is down to Everett doing his doing his homework on us? Um, but yeah, no, I've got, I got no qualms at all with what McKenna said. It seemed to be pretty, pretty spot on, but unfortunately, he didn't get that uh, elusive third win for a new manager. And it, and... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So we talked about this on the pre-match. I was a little bit apprehensive because I thought Bolton's form had to turn at some point. And I think just statistically, it was going to be us, wasn't it? Because you can't lose that many, you know, five games on the, on the bounce and um, no wins until the end of November. Four, four transfers in, players back from injury and so on. Um, 
was it similar story to Gillingham in the kind of reverse, a, a kind of a David Diamond-esque bit of both, as in Ipswich maybe believing too much of the hype after Gillingham, but Bolton being very much up for it? Maybe. I mean, I, I certainly thought that on the pre-match show. I was very confident. Wasn't I? I think I said 3-1 and you were sort of more the re- the voice of reason and stuff. So maybe we all just got a little bit carried away with everything. You know, I think, I think is it fair to say that's maybe what... I guess the three centre-backs, I thought, personally. Wolfenden was the best of the of the three, but I did think that the likes of Edmondson and Danassian maybe were trying things that, you know, almost come across as a little bit cocky, maybe with some of the attempted attempted back passes and stuff. Maybe we just all believe the hype a little bit, but it's easy to do. You know, we've had a new, a new manager come in we've had two really good wins on the bounce and I guess the important thing now is that you know McKenna looks to start another run but I think credit has to go to Ever you know he matched us up formation wise he nullified Burns completely he had Mossy Fossey closing down Penny I, I think he just really did a job on us and I think we have to give some credit to uh, to Bolton and they double us um, yeah. which is a with a 7-2 seven, yes. seven scoreline 7-2 in aggregate yeah so there you go crazy um, well done to Bolton. Um, let's um, let's go to the Twitter questions. And there's definitely a, a theme to these, uh, but I will do them in the order that we receive them. Um, Tim Gornall starts off with an observation. Never doubt ITFC's ability to, to, to disappoint a season of too many individual errors, question mark, um, Craig. Um, yeah, I just, I just think it... Yes, there were. There were individual errors yesterday. There were. Absolutely, 100%. I just think, it, and it's not just Ipswich, and we were talking about it on the way home in the car, it's just the frustration of not being able to have any consistency at all. But look at the look at the other results in the league. It's just ridiculous. Hold that right? thought. Hold that yeah, thought. But, but it's, it's, it's rather than individual errors, yes, it was yesterday. I just think it's just consistency, and it's not just related just to Ipswich. I'll come back to that question to you then Craig so you can finish your point um because I um I I have done some prep for once uh Greg Potter gutted um now we find out what McKenna is really made of um must bounce back um he's looking forward to his here his post-match interview um Seb it's worth saying Kim McKenna's still new to the kind of management gig isn't he and this kind of you know the idea that we were going to go unbeaten and invincibles and so on was never going to happen but Craig's got, kind of got a point here. I could have mentioned it at halftime as well, see what is, he's made of. But, you know, disappointment is, is probably a useful... Is, you don't want to lose games, but there's some experience to be learned. Absolutely. Yeah, like, you know, he's come in, won two games, not conceded the goal, and everything's rosy. And I guess it's when you have these kind of setbacks that you learn about the about the guy. But what I like, like you said earlier, his post-match, you know, he's he's not blowing things out of proportion. He's calm about things. He's identified things that clearly went on. And now he's just got to go and look to build another little run. And with the fixtures we've got coming up, you know, I guess if you, if you wanted to start another run, then... Accrington at home on Saturday. I know they beat us earlier in the season. But Accrington at home on Saturday is probably a pretty favourable one for him. And I guess he learned some things yesterday that he's now got a week to to work on. And to that point, and we've mentioned him quite a lot, um, Ipswich John Craig asks, or says, controlled the match apart from 10, 15 minutes before halftime. Two individual errors led to the goals. Undoubtedly, his words, these, Penny is the weak link. And this meant Bolton focused on denying space to Burns and went one-on-one with Penny. Um, he says got to persist with KVY there. He's a better option, ironically. KVY had an absolute stinker against Bolton in the 5-2 game earlier in the season. But um, do you want to reflect on Matt Penny's afternoon? Because you mentioned he's substituted. Um, and the thought there that Bolton targeted, targeted him. Um, 
Yeah, he yeah he you know, and this isn't making a scapegoat of the guy. He just didn't have a very good game. And to to my eyes, just looking at the team as it was, and even at Gillingham, he just if you look across the team as a whole, he just looks a a weaker option in his position than everybody else did in their relevant positions. I wouldn't be at all surprised if if Coulson isn't going to be back anytime soon, and they must have a an idea by now when the guy's going to be due back. Um, uh, that left wing back will be a position that we'll look to we'll look to fill. I don't think Vincent Young is the long term option there purely because he's not left footed and you know as you said previously he can get so far up the pitch, but you know his opposite right back knows damn well that at some point in time he's going to be cutting back onto his right foot. Um, he may be an option in in the short term, um, but longer term I'd, I'd either be wanting Coulson there or someone different. Um, I think one day Hive Minder suggested Carl Edwards uh, that came up on the midweek, I think, didn't it? Yeah, but he'd be the same, wouldn't he, as, as Vincent Young? He'd have to cut back on his right foot. Is he, uh, he? Is he not a lefty? Okay. No. Oh. I, th- I just think, to my eyes, I'm saying this is not, again, wishing to scapegoat Matt Penny's fine, but he just looks like a, a weaker option when compared to everyone, everyone else in the team as a whole in his particular position. Alex Hare um, has asked quite a few questions, Alex. Very prolific. We like this. Um, I will just chip this one in here. If the panel could strengthen in two outfield positions this January, what would they be? Is one of them going to be left back slash, slash left wing back? It's, it comes up in conversation all the time, guys. Seb, do you want to take that one? Un- undoubtedly, yeah. We need to look to what we can. We've seen since the change to three at the back how crucial the fullbacks can be. And, you know, Burns has really made that spot his own, albeit with a, a poor performance yesterday. He never really got going. But, you know, the the pace and the outlet and the, the directness and the ability to move the ball quickly up the pitch uh, down the right-hand side is superb. And it's an area we really need to to address, I think, in, uh, in, in this window. And I guess the other outfield position, we've got so many players, haven't we? I guess, do you maybe want a striker? But then if he's got Piggott on the bench, who's proven at this level and he's not choosing to bring him on, I, I don't know. I, I can't think of many other positions we need anybody, given the, the depth of the squad, uh, apart from the left-back position, to be honest. I'd be tempted at this point to... So I think definitely you're right that the squad needs to be shed down a little bit, doesn't it? Caden Jackson feels like a player that should be departing this window for, for better or worse. It's just feels like his time is up. Would you not maybe loan out Joe Piggott and maybe bring a striker Confidence in? and stuff. Yeah, maybe. I kind of think him. he's not going to start for us, is he? Yeah, we've seen how, you know, players go out on loan, like Danassi went out a couple of times and, you know, kept a bit of fitness and came back and took his chance when he came back. So perhaps, yeah, but then you've definitely got to go and get somebody, haven't you? There's no chance you could loan him out and then be reliant on Norwood and, and Bond for the rest of the season if Jackson were to move on. So I guess, yeah, I guess all these things will be discussed and it'll be an interesting couple of weeks of the window left. Yeah. Um, Mark Ewing, one of the Friends of Blue Monday who sponsors Lucy O'Brien with us, um, thought we were past the fine margins phase and into the cruising phase should have known better um here we go chance for um McKenna to make changes maybe Piggott time there you go after all i've just said um your thoughts on that one craig yeah yeah well it's funny enough again we were talking about this on the way home the cars now you've got the you know you you couldn't previously have made any changes from from wickham into gillingham and gillingham into bolton you'd you know be a bit harsh on anybody to to make a change on following that um, so now leading into action probably is the the time to make a change. Um, I, I say I I wouldn't be surprised to see um, Vincent Young starting at, at left fullback, uh, sorry left wing back. Um, other than that, I'm not entirely sure they will. You know, Nor Norwood's been scoring goals four out of five as it will be now. Um, 
it just seemed it just seemed to me to my eyes that slight tweak of formation by playing him a bit wider just seemed to negate him and him and Bond acting as a as a pairing. Um, so I don't really see there's anything um, personnel-wise that needs to change. They might want to change the goalkeeper next week. Um, personnel-wise, I don't think needs to particularly change. Just needs to uh, a Gillingham performance rather than a, a Bolton performance. Yep. I'll, I'll stick with you, Craig, because these go back to what you started on and then I rudely interrupted you. I'm not going to merge two questions together. Um, Alex Hare, um, regardless of manager or formation, this team looks world-beating versus certain opposition and lacklustre against others. Is this to do with specific personnel rather than coach, style, tactics, formation? Realistically, how much better do you think Kieran McKenna can make this set of players? And I will then bring alongside this, I think maybe your angle um, from Mrs. Nuts, um, and get well soon, Mrs. Nuts, a few years ago, Blue Monday argued that we have to acknowledge that there are flaws in our team. I think we, I think we argue that players at this level have flaws, rather maybe the team, but the point still stands. I think if we didn't have flaws, we'd be in the prem. No team in League One is really consistent, and she's given us the form table. Um, see below. It's the way it is. Unfortunately, it's like that, and it's the way it is. Um, your thoughts there on Alex's point about it being an Ipswich itis or more to, I guess, Mrs. Nuts' view that it's just that standard League One. Yeah, I think I, I'm swaying towards swaying towards Mrs. Nuts. Um, but you know, you look at look at the results from yesterday. Who Plymouth lost? I, know, I appreciate they were some of them were playing teams that are also you know in that mix. But Plymouth lost, Oxford lost, Pompey lost. Did they? Yeah, Rotherham lost Sunderland drew so even Rotherham we've all been saying how great Rotherham are they're not even in the automatic um, promotion places now are they it's just unfortunately it's just the way it is and if any team can get any semblance of um, momentum and consistency then they'll be shooting up the league but nobody can seem to do it and whether you know it may just be that it's the level of the players isn't it Um, although you would hope looking at our squad, that the level of our players should be better than than most. And therefore, we, is it going to be, a, you know, is it going to just take McKenna time to get this repetitive, you know, way that we need to play drilled into them? And it's, you know, it's certainly not going to happen over four weeks, however long he's, he's been in charge. I just think, give him time and then we'll see. We can't, I don't think we can tell at this particular juncture if it is the Ipswich players compared to a normal League One squad. So how do you, where does that consistency come from then? If we if we accept that all players at this level or most players at this level have the Shakespearean fatal flaw and will make mistakes, mm. what is it that then brings a team together to make, you know, to, to deal with that situation? I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, Rotherham perennial promotion candidates at this level, Wickham, I guess, previously, I think of the Coventry team in 1920 is probably the best team that I saw at that point. Was it just they didn't lose games? You know, if you're going to make mistakes, make sure they're mistakes that draw you a match rather than lose it. Or did they just collectively were coached so that that negated the flaws? I'm trying to find solutions, guys. Feel free to chip in as well. I just want to find hope and maybe a sense of what, Kieran McKenna might be able to do because Alex's point, it might be that there's not a huge amount that Kieran McKenna can do, and I, I, 
wouldn't want that to be true. Maybe it's maybe it's the the latter in that they're coached in a way that you know individual mistakes aren't as um, what's I'm looking for don't make as much impact on those particular games. You know, just yesterday, I just think yesterday every everyone just had an off day. They were, as Seb said, there wasn't really anybody that came out. Wolfenden, I didn't think was quite as bad as anyone and as everyone else. I thought he he did okay, um, but you know, you can pretty much name everybody else there. They were all five and sixes out of tens. If if not if not lower in some um, instances, it, it may just be that that was just one of those days. And if half of those players had been a six or a seven rather than a five or a six, would have got out with it with a nil nil. We're carrying on momentum into the next into the next game. Is there something to be said, Seb? For there's a tactical setup in thing, and I mentioned Rotherham and, and and Wickham, less so Coventry, where you find a way of playing which is just low margin for error you go long don't you 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 don't pass it out the back you go long yeah you revert to the you revert to the basics don't you You sort of you know get yourselves up the pitch like you say you go you go long to a a player to hold the ball up and you look to get others in and around it and i guess maybe that is something they need to look to do when they're having these kind of days i think it's like like craig said yesterday there were so many players of four and fives and i guess at this level you're always going to get players have poor performances the the trick is you've got to make sure it's three of your of your starting 11 rather than yesterday what 10 11 of them um i think it's just a, a as craig said a complete off day and and you know McKenna will know that, and he'll look to look to put it right on the training pitch. Yeah, and as, as you say, Rich, it's, it's Edmondson's Ed, the mistake Edmondson made relates exactly to what you were saying. If he hadn't been told and hadn't been coached into playing it around the back and using Walton at all times, that ball would have been swung up the left wing with his left foot, wouldn't it? He wouldn't have been even thinking about turning backwards. He'd have been knocking it five yards and then giving it a lump up the pitch. And the, th- the other, and just to finish this point, um, and it's a really fascinating thing. We could have kept this debate going a little bit longer, but um, I'm going to finish it with this observation: the level, the, the standard of opposition in League One is so weird as well, isn't it? Because you kind of got a cluster of teams up the top of the division who have got who are, who are capable of having a streaky run of wins or losses, but are generally of a similar caliber of quality, you know, player that we've got, all the way down to the teams down the the bottom and you know some teams will do the kind of um low res long you know long ball direct keep it simple stupid kind of tactics and and sometimes that might trump teams like Ipswich or Sunderland or Sheffield Wednesday or whoever who are trying to do things too complicated but then you'll you know every now and then you'll rock up against a Gillingham smash them think oh this is a piece of piss this league and then recalibrate based on that so is there something to be said league one's weird isn't it i mean we've been down here for three years it is a weird division isn't it very i mean i i think yesterday bolton just kind of did the the basics better than we did you know they pressed better than we did they moved the ball better than we did they played with a higher level of intensity and purpose than we did and uh we just had a, a, a complete off day and that, and that can happen you know as you know if you looked at the the, the form going into the games you know we've just smashed gillingham 4-0 we've got a new manager we're scoring goals for fun again they were on an absolutely awful run you would have assumed that this would be a fairly straightforward you know two three nil victory for ipswich but but that is football and that is league one yeah um, last two thoughts we've got here and more observations than questions here, but um, um, one from John, John W. Good to hear from you, John. Um, along come Ipswich, he's putting quote marks here. Um, he thought Penny was poor, um, though he, he, he thinks we need a replacement. Um, Edmondson, who is usually excellent, made mistakes, would love Walton to stay. Overall, average, 
with no penetration at all today, which chimes with McKenna's. Was that a typical Ipswich performance or what? Yeah, I think after the Lord Mayor's show kind of situation there, definitely, John. And then Matty, Matty Niblett, um, to end with this. Um, not a game I'd put down to McKenna, he says. Um, team have let him down through frustration and silly mistakes, but good to get a loss early on. Obviously never want to lose. I think I, something I was saying to show where the team needs improving. I think we all agree with that. Nodding of heads. Yep, good. Yeah. Fortunately, gap to sixth is still eight points. Yeah, it would have been bloody hour. five. Yeah, but that, it would have been five. Yeah. Uh, a half time yesterday, looking at the results, you know, I was thinking, right, if we can get a result here, you know, this could be a real, real start to to move up the table. That's a, it, it's, it's definitely a missed opportunity. Yeah, and well, it means now you've got to go to either you know a Hillsborough or a New York Stadium or whatever, and you've probably got to go and get a, at least a positive, you know, at least a draw from those kind of games to try and well, close that gap back again. Said, but, well, yeah, we're, we're going to get into. If we all worked out, we're going to need seventy-seven points, didn't we? Allow sort of four losses from the remaining games of the season, and you've just kind of thrown one away a little bit there. You know, Bolton were kind of the form they were on; they were meant to be there for the taking. So now you've got to follow that up by going to one of the the so-called big boys and 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 getting three points. Let's have a look at the league table. We've put it up there for people watching on YouTube. Is Wickham, as you said, Craig, now setting the pace um, along with Sunderland. Rotherham, a couple of defeats now in their last three, um, but they do have games in hand. Wigan have got five games in hand on both Sunderland and Wickham at the top. Um, MK Dons um, on a good run of form as well. Plymouth kind of trailing a little bit away, as we saw Oxford's capable of doing their streaky runs but there's lots of green and red isn't there and we're around there the few teams maybe with on top quality form in terms of the results of note Accrington one Sunderland one obviously interesting in respect of Sunderland and their promotion credentials but Accrington up next week for Ipswich um that was at Accrington though um what else have we got here so Doncaster one Wigan two no real surprise there. Fleetwood won. Rotherham nil, though. That's the big story Craig was leading to. And an assist in the last minute for Toto Enciana. That's the way it goes. Uh, Portsmouth, who were the form team over six matches, I think, um, lost to MK Dons. MK on a really good run under Liam Manning. Sheffield Wednesday, four. Plymouth, two. Um, big win for Sheffield Wednesday. And Wickham, 2-0 win over Oxford there. Any reflections, guys, on the league table situation or anything like that? No? We're below, we're below Accrington. <laughs> well, <my reflection. laughs> yes, we are. Yes, but eight points still. But it's, um, it is tight. And I was on a League One playoff scramble show. And Why do they that, invite you? What we got was, to do with the My league? first thing said, I said, I'm a fraud. I shouldn't be here. Um, <laughs> but it does feel like there is just too much ground to make up. And interesting, I guess, I think my reflection would be, look at MK Dons. Mm. We know about Wigan, um, but MK doing, going great guns there, aren't they? Um, under Liam Manning. So good on him. Um, another one of our exes. Um, It'll be a big game when it, at Hillsborough at the end of the month. That's going to be a, a big game. If we were to go there and, and lose, then we're probably going to be out of touch, aren't we? We're sort of creak, hanging on by our fingernails at the moment. But if we go there and they pull further ahead of us, you know, they're the kind of sides we're going to have to start beating to to make up ground. And that, that strikes me as a big one. Yep. Uh, so we will be talking about Accrington Seb and I on the pre-match show. That will be available to you on Friday morning. As always, Blue Monday, itfc.co.uk is where you can find all the details of what's going on 
on our shows. You can um, find the links to download stuff and to stream stuff, either on audio or video, if you want to donate. And we've had a lot of very generous donations of late. And keep a lookout in the end titles, um, because I've done a bit of a refresh of that. Um, and keen to thank everyone for who supports us. But if you want to do that, um, it's obviously discretionary. And we are happy doing what we're doing. Any donations just help us do more stuff, um, more stuff like what Craig's about to tell us about, um, then please feel free to do that. Um, and thank you to everyone who's taken the opportunity to do that, either through the Super Chat um, or through PayPal or Acast. Um, and then the flagship will be back talking about Accrington this time next week. Um, so keep a lookout for that. But yeah, bluemondayitc.co.uk for all the bits and pieces of information going on on blue monday um craig this is the time the time is now as maloko once sung tell us who you've been speaking to last week yes well i've been on this guy's case for well a couple of months 20 years if not more well yeah well more than that um you you said earlier that there's too much traffic between us and the playoffs this gent reckons we're still in we're still going to get six although that was before the weekend, <laughs> recorded be before Bolton, yeah, could, could yeah, get that yeah. There. He did. He did say, yeah, he reckons we, he, he was impressed with what he's seen with McKenna so far, and he reckons we're going to finish sixth. Um, shall I just blurt it out and tell you who it yeah, is? Yeah, do it. It's George Burley, Mister George Burley. We we had a good chat. I chatted to him for about well over two hours. Um, so we had about an hour. He talked through his playing career. And then we had about an hour and five talking about management, um, predominantly Ipswich, obviously. We had a little bit at the end about Hearts and Southampton and, and Scotland, but obviously very much um, majoring on, on Ipswich. And yeah, it was a fantastic, really good, really good chat. Um, spoke about all from signing as a, as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old coming down from Scotland and leaving his mum and dad and being wow. put up in digs um, all the way through to spending like, one year in the reserves and then marking George Best and pretty much playing every game then until until such time as he did his knee ligaments at Shrewsbury in the FA Cup and had to play on on the wing because we'd used our one and only sub. Um, so yeah, no, it's absolutely fascinating. He was on he was on really good really good form um, and obviously then we spoke about uh, managing and um, the journey from. Air to Colchester to Ipswich, and we didn't we didn't talk too much about signing Lee Chapman. To be fair, I wish I'd really drilled <laughs> really drilled into uh, his first major signing as Ipswich Town manager. Um, but now we spoke about um, you know the the relegation season, the initial relegation season, the, briefly about the nine nil at Man U, and then just the build up through the the various playoff seasons and getting closer and closer and closer, and the signings we made and the people we had to let go um, just to keep building and yeah the, the playoff season and the first season in the premier league and everything that came around with it i know we spoke a fair bit about the relegation season and what he would have done differently um with regards to um who we potentially signed in the end and, and the reasons why we we signed those rather than other people and uh yeah the, the leaving and things like that so yeah and he was it was brilliant it's absolutely brilliant it's, it's one of those things when you know if i hark back i don't you know i hear when I started watching us, he was probably around for another couple of years, I think, before he, he left. And he was one of the last ones to leave. I think Terry Butcher and Paul Cooper were the last ones to leave of that ilk, that squad. Um, but, you know, he'd already he'd already seen 
Brazil leave, Murin leave, Tyson leave, Mariner leave, Walk leave, and you know he, he left the season. We went down initially ninety eight four eighty five, I think it was, or five six. Sorry. Um, so I think it was a bit tough on him just to see all his his really close mates um, disappear off to other places. But yeah, he was on he was on great form, and I say hopefully people enjoy it. We'll split it up into two, so there'll be an hour on his playing um, bits and pieces, and then pretty much an hour and a bit on the on his management. Great stuff. So we debated this. I, I named him. I tried to be a little cryptic there. So he was named on our pre-match show, but we talked about Ipswich Town legends on Friday. And I think you agreed with me at the time that George Burley is an Ipswich Town oh, legend, but he's absolutely. kind of a legend for the his playing career and being part of that amazing Ipswich Town team in the, in the late 70s, early 80s. But for to, to our people generation. our age yeah. the management He's... stuff also the team admittedly ended as all management tenures tend to i can't name a manager whose whose tenure ended well you know even wenger's tenure ended fergie's maybe a little bit yeah but yeah a legend for lots of different reasons george burley Absolutely. Yeah. Cannot wait to hear it. It's absolutely superb work by Craig. I cannot wait. You know, for those of us that were too young for the the FA Cup and the UEFA Cup winning winning sides, you know, it's the era that we grew up with, that that style of football in the late nineties, you know, it was it was revolutionary at the time with three at the back in in, in, in division one and stuff. And some of the players he signed, the the people he bought through the academy, the likes of Kieran Dyer, and then going out and signing, you know, Matt Holland, Mark Venus, David Johnson, and then adding the quality of Marcus Stewart, Royster, etc. You know, it was it was absolutely superb times and I guess we thought thought in 2000 2001 this is just how football is you know I think I was 15 16 at the time and I kind of thought this is how football's going to be now forever it's just suddenly brilliant and it's never going to change and you know it'd be great to hear his his views on the relegation season but we had some amazing nights away in Europe and stuff you know I did Helsingborg and stuff and it was just an absolutely brilliant brilliant time and I cannot wait to hear what he's got to say yeah well, great stuff Craig thank you for sorting out and obviously a big thanks um, to George Burley for sparing um, his time and for speaking to us. As Craig mentioned, it will be out in two chunks. First chunk will be out on Monday afternoon, probably at five o'clock, I think we'll put that out. And then the second part we'll do, I think I said Thursday, but let's let's nudge it to Wednesday um, because we probably, to make room for George Burley, as, as rightly we should, um, we won't be doing a midweek Q&A show unless something drastic happens and we sign um, Messi or something. So um, Monday afternoon for part one, Craig and I will have a chat on whether it's Wednesday a.m. or Wednesday p.m. for part two. But as always, um, bluemondayitfc.co.uk will have the running order for the shows in there anyway. And keep a lookout on our socials. We'll do a little teaser clip. And um, yeah, and we hope you enjoy it. And um, I will um, I will hand over because Craig's done two hours of excellent work this week. So I'm going to hand over to Seb, as I always do, drop a minute for the last word. Um, I will just say thank you if you've made it this far. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Um, thank you to Craig. Thank you to Seb for your insights and for your traveling up to Bolton, taking one for the team, loyal supporters as you are. Um, and we will be back. Uh, on Friday for the pre-match show flagship next week and Seb I will hand over to you uh, let's hope that next Saturday is the start of a new winning run and everybody go and listen to the Burley interview
the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.